This is Brooks Gray, and you're listening to Accidental Theology, a podcast about theology and worship. Today we're going to be discussing the role of a worship pastor. So first things first, let me just clear the air on something real quick, because some of you may be thinking it, but I just want you to know that when I use the term worship leader or worship pastor, I'm not referring to those of us who lead worship as the guys who hold the key or the girls who hold the key to worship and, you know, it's up to us to usher in the presence of God and to usher ourselves into the presence of God. That's not the case at all. I don't I don't believe that. I don't know of anybody necessarily that does believe that. But for any of you sticklers out there who are just waiting for me to slip up and mess up when talking about worship pastors, which will probably happen more than once in this episode, I completely understand that, you know, worship is about more than just music and what we do on Sunday mornings in church. And I'm going to address that in some later episodes. So if you kind of are like, I can't wait to hear what this guy says because I'm going to tear him up and tell him how he's biblically wrong, stick with me, come back on some later episodes, and I'm sure I'll clear up any misunderstandings that may occur in this episode. With that, let's dive right in. Gustavus Adolphus was king of Sweden in the early 1600s, and during this time, Sweden was a pretty powerful force to be reckoned with in the Baltic region. Uh, They had built up quite a significant amount of military strength, um, and in order to demonstrate the prowess and the prestige of Sweden and really his own kingship, Gustavus ordered the building of what would be one of the greatest military ships ever seen. Um, a team of at least six sculptors, and who knows how many apprentices and workers they had under them, spent two years creating ornate and meticulous designs which covered this entire ship, which was called the Vasa, uh, or in some some circles, I think it's spelled W-A-S-A, but I think that is still pronounced Vasa. If you're from Sweden, or if you know more about that, please let me know. I would love to get it right. But anyway, they spent two years working on this ship, just making it as beautiful as it could be. be. And uh, it had bronze cannons on it, and it was second to none when it came to ships in the 1600s. However, here's the thing. On its maiden voyage, the ship sailed about 1,400 yards off the coast when it left port. There was a crowd of people here to see this thing off. They were super proud of this. Uh, the king himself was even there. And so they're standing here, you know, seeing these these men off and this ship off. And about 1,400 yards out, it was hit by a wave. And it came dangerously close to toppling this ship. And soon after that, it was hit by a second wave, which rolled the ship onto its side. And water began pouring through the open cannon doors. And soon thereafter, it sunk to the bottom of the ocean, about 1,400 yards off the coast. They had spent two years making this the the most amazing ship anyone had ever seen uh, just as far as military might as well as the just the ornamentation on it and the way it looked but what had happened is the center of gravity was way too high on this ship 
they spent so much time uh, and, and were really pushed on by this king to get this project done that they didn't pay as much attention to the weightier matters, to really you know, making this a practical ship. Beautiful in design, none like it, but it didn't have anything that would sustain it in, in really a practical sense. So as soon as the first couple of waves came, and it just pushed that thing right over. And I share that to say this, that we as worship leaders or worshipers cannot be fixated on those things that are shallow, those things that are self-aggrandizing. Anything that points away from God is a distraction. And I'll, I'll go ahead and apologize to some of you who are not worship leaders. This episode is probably going to be geared a little more towards worship leaders. It's what I do. It's my, my calling, my profession. But if you're not, I think there'll be a lot of good things, tidbits of information in here for you as well. And this is, this is one of them. Anything that points away from God is a distraction. So for worship leaders, I would just simply ask this question. Do you spend more time on how your guitar tone sounds than in prayer seeking after God? And if you're not a guitar player, if you're a keyboard player, you know, your keyboard sounds. Or maybe you're not an a, a instrumentalist at all. Maybe you just sing, you use your voice as your instrument. Are you more focused on how your instrument sounds than you are with your own personal time with God? The talents that we have, not just as worship leaders, but as as individuals, the talents that we have are just tools to be used to make much of God. Uh, we're to use everything that we have to bring Him honor and bring Him glory. And so one of the jobs of a worship pastor is to make sure that everything they are doing is a testament to who God is and what He has done. So in a practical sense, uh, from a worship leading standpoint, sometimes that can mean elaborating on a song that has been sung or maybe a song you're about to introduce. You could spend a few minutes or a couple minutes uh, talking just what God's put on your heart and what God's revealed to you through your time in uh, preparation for this song and, and uh, for your weekly worship gatherings or daily or however often you have them. But also, on the flip side of that, sometimes... It can mean knowing when to keep your mouth shut. And this is something that I've had to learn, and, and I feel like probably a lot of us worship leaders have to learn, is that you don't always have to say something. Just because you think you should say something doesn't mean you have to say something. I don't know if I said that well or clear enough, but just because you feel like saying it doesn't mean you should say it. If there's one of the few things I hope you take from this podcast episode, that would be one of them. Because so oftentimes, worship leaders or worship pastors will try to force something out just because it may seem like that's what a worship pastors do. Oh, between, between these two songs, I need to say this or that. But let me encourage you, if you say anything at all, I'm all for testimonies. I'm all for sharing what God's put on your heart. But the best thing you could probably say in leading worship as a worship leader is to, to point to Scripture. Because nothing you are going to say, nothing I am going to say, is ever going to be more powerful than what God has already said in His Word. And what, I mean, there are so many psalms that we could go through and quote uh, week in and week out that um, just really reveal the nature and the character of God. So don't feel like you have to 
always interject your own commentary within a worship set. Sometimes it, it's a good thing, and sometimes it's needed. Sometimes it's not. So learn learn to tell when those differences are. And when I was thinking about this episode, I kind of asked myself this question, and uh, yeah, it was interesting. But I, I kind of questioned myself and said, does my church need me to lead worship? Do they need me up there week in and week out? And the answer I've come to is both yes and no. Don't get me wrong. What worship leaders do is is important. It's it's integral in the body of the church. Um, all throughout Scripture, we we read about the gathering of the believers, and they they sang a song. And you know, uh, after they after they took communion, they sang a song. There's always this idea of corporate singing. I think there's several reasons for that. I think musical is uh, very emotional and it, it can stir stir within us a lot of things that uh, couldn't happen well, I won't say couldn't happen but are less likely to happen without music I've heard I've even heard pastors say that uh, a good song can get across as powerful a message as a 45 minute sermon so I think there's power in music but at the same time Here's what's interesting. When I look at Scripture, when I look at the disciples, when they follow Jesus, and there's a, a story when they are crossing over the Sea of Galilee, and before they cross, Jesus told them to, to follow him, just get in the boat and follow him. He didn't really say where they were going, what they were doing, but when they reached the other side, they, were, uh, they came across this man who was living among the, the tombs, Nobody could do anything with him. Just this wild guy. He uh, even chains couldn't hold him. Is what uh, what the Bible says. But Jesus miraculously healed this man. He commanded the demons to leave him, and this man was forever changed. And the disciples saw that. And it wasn't that Jesus was saying, "Hey, do this," uh, and then after you do this, do that, and then after you do that thing, move on to the next thing. There wasn't this formula. They were just following Jesus, and they saw miracles happen. And I believe with all my heart that if we follow Jesus, we will see miracles happen. So yes, your church needs you to lead worship, but at the same time, it's kind of a trick question because I don't, I don't think that they do need you to lead worship because as I mentioned earlier worship is so much more than just our time of music and and singing it, it encompasses so much more than that but what your church does need is for you to follow Jesus with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all of your strength and in your outpouring of worship in your church gatherings even you as a worship pastor or worship leader uh, should simply be an overflow of a passion for for your God and for your Savior. So that's what your church needs, is for you to be authentic both with, with God and with your people. And not only that, I would argue that's the case for just about any role of leadership within the church. Your people don't need you to do a job. They need you to love God and love them. And man, that'll, that in itself will do wonders. And one of the duties again of a worship leader is to just make sure you communicate it could be either directly or indirectly that worship is never about just the music it's never about the instruments or the songs 
but it's the one that we're ascribing worth to. It's the God who gives us a reason to sing. It's about the subject of our music, not not the object of our music. So, and we'll discuss more on that next week. Tune in when we talk about you know what is worship. So a couple of last things as we kind of wrap this thing up here. I just want to read something out of First Peter real quick. This is First Peter chapter five, verse one through three. It says this: so I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Do you have a willing spirit, or do you kind of view your current role wherever you're at as a worship leader or a leader in general, as kind of a stepping stone to the next bigger thing. You know, this is just you moving up the the ladder to a large church or something. I don't know. Um, are you looking for that next big event or opportunity to be on stage in front of thousands more so than really focusing all your energy on the people that God has called you to to lead and to to serve? Uh, God deserves desires us. He doesn't deserve. I mean, he does deserve it, but he desires us to serve willingly and and eagerly, just as Peter said, as an example to the flock that we're we're shepherding. Um, and this is another question I kind of had to ask myself in thinking through this episode: was okay. Am am I as content while worshiping God when I'm the only one in the room? When it's just me and maybe my guitar? Am I as content worshiping God in that moment as I am when I'm in a f- room full of hundreds of people or maybe thousands of people? Or do I kind of get a little more out of, a little more enjoyment out of being up on stage and being the guy that people are looking to and, and leading the songs and stuff? And that's a tough question for worship leaders because I think there's part of us, you know, part of our calling is you know, to help people engage with God, you know, through singing, but also through the hearing of Scripture and stuff. So that's that's a passion for us, but at the same time, it, it should be no more of a driving force than our own desire to honor God and, and to seek after Him. And lastly, for worship leaders, I just want to kind of add this in there as as I close this out, um, because I, I I don't think it can be overstated uh, enough because I see way too many I see this happen way too often where the worship leader desires to kind of be the guy with the reins and, and steer a lot of things. Um, Hebrews thirteen seventeen tells us to obey our leaders and to submit to them because they're the ones that are are keeping watch over over our souls. So in doing this, we let we're, they're able to do it with joy and, and without groaning. And then Hebrews goes on to say, for that would be of no advantage to you. So as a worship leader, and this is me just talking candidly, as a worship leader to other worship leaders or worship pastors, your role in the church is not to steer the church in a direction that you think it should go. Your role is to do your best to point people towards the worthiness of God under the direction of the lead pastor. So if, if your pastor approaches you with his thoughts of, of song choice or order of service or you know how much you do or do not talk between songs, there's probably a good reason for it. 
So be humble enough to accept guidance without feeling like it's always a personal attack or an attempt to exercise authority over you and your position. And unless it's a matter of biblical disobedience, always welcome insight from your pastor. I don't know that I've ever necessarily met, I'm not saying they're not out there, but I've never met a pastor who intentionally just wanted to hurt the worship pastor's ministry. Uh, That would be foolish of the pastor to do that. But if you have a reason why you're doing something a certain way and, and you don't think your pastor really understands, explain why you're doing the things that you're doing and, and even give biblical uh, backing to it if, if necessary. Because I think most pastors would say, oh, I just didn't understand why you were doing that. That makes sense now. And he may even encourage you to somehow share that with the congregation because, man, that just opened my eyes to why you're doing it that way. So be open with your pastor. And, and also, this is, this is advice for uh, church members or church attenders as well as the worship pastor. You are not the mediator between your congregation and your pastor. Man, I, I see this happen so often. Um, if someone ever comes to you with complaints— about their disagreements with the pastor. Well, I can't believe he's doing this, or why is he doing that? You know, put a stop to it immediately. Um, your pastor is there to to be the lead shepherd for this flock. You know, you're there to support and and do your ministry. And, and again, like I said, if it's not a matter of biblical disobedience, I'm always siding with my pastor, even if I there are times where I don't agree with him fully um, just on a matter of opinion well I think it would be better if we did it this way but I'm I'm always going to support my pastor because I'm not there to tear him down I'm there so that he can serve uh, like Hebrews said with joy and uh, because it's no advantage to me if he's having a miserable time if his church members are complaining and they're coming to me and then I'm just kind of stirring it up as well you know well yeah I totally agree with you I don't know why he's doing that so put a stop to that kind of talk if people come to you and with that I kind of want to just wrap this up my goal here is not to create a 30 minute or hour long podcast i'll listen to some of those and they're phenomenal but i'll be honest if i had to listen to me talk for 30 minutes or an hour i would be bored out of my mind i I get bored out of my mind listening to myself talk so i'm not going to do that to you i'm going to try to keep these these episodes uh short and brief somewhat so you can kind of listen on your drive time or whatever but next week i do want to be talking about uh what worship is and and what it actually means to worship so i hope you'll come back for that if you know a worship pastor worship leader pass this along to them um, give them some encouragement tell them you love them and you appreciate what they're doing and, and you support uh, their their ministry and and how they are serving so uh, with that i hope you have a great afternoon thanks for joining in and i look forward to seeing you next week or i look forward to you hearing me next week because i won't see you god bless have a great day Thank you.